We're on Yevamos Ein Ches Amad Aleph, 78a, towards the top. We're in the middle of the discussion about the prohibition for a convert from Mitzrayim or from Edom to enter into the Jewish people and to enter into, uh, to marry, sorry, into the Kahal Hashem, into the congregation of Hashem. They are allowed to marry other converts, but they are not allowed to marry into the Kahal Hashem until the third generation. What does it mean, the third generation? It means you have the convert, him or herself, then you have the next generation, the child, and then the grandchild, that grandchild is now allowed to enter into Kahal Hashem. The Gemara now is going to essentially uh, dissect and explain the language of the verse of the Pasuk, which describes this uh, prohibition. It actually describes the prohibition not as a prohibition, but really as uh, an active assay that there's it's permissible for the third generation to enter into the Kalashem, implication being that the first and second generation cannot. And so the verse says, Children which you have, which you give birth to, for you, lahem, for you, in the plural, for you, the third generation uh, could enter for you, for you in the plural, into the congregation of Hashem. And so there are a few extra words here. It says the children and the generation. It says lahem twice, for you twice. Why do we have these extra words? That, that will essentially be the discussion in the beginning of this recording. It says, Taner Rabbanan, it says in Ebraisa, If it says children, why does it mention generations? Obviously, we're talking about three generations. If it says generations, why does it have to mention children? So the Bryce explains, Im nemar banim velo nemar doros. If it only mentioned children but not generations, I would have thought something very interesting. I would have thought that if you have, let's say, an Egyptian who converts, and they have one child, and they have a second child, those two children cannot enter into Kahal Hashem. But if they have a third child, we're not talking about a grandchild, but a third child. So then that third child could enter into Kahal Hashem. That's what I would have thought. Comes the verse and adds the word door to tell me that we're not talking about three children, but we're talking about the third generation. Uh, so it's an interesting initial thought, the Havamina, that the third child would be permissible, but that's not really what the verse is telling us. It's telling us that the third generation becomes uh, permissible. And if I had it in the opposite direction, if it only mentioned the generations, it doesn't mention your own children. Also, I would have thought to say that this commandment only applies to the generation that left Egypt, to the generation that was uh, I, that, that heard the Torah on Mount Sinai. To that generation, they said, you're the first generation, the next generation, your children, they also cannot marry Egyptians. But the third generation, your grandkids, from then on, all of them could marry Egyptians. You might have thought that the prohibition only exists for the first two generations from the point in time in which we received the Torah on Mount Sinai. That's why the verse says, it says children, to tell you your children in every generation, in every generation, the children of an Egyptian, they cannot, if they convert, they cannot enter into Kahal Hashem, they cannot marry uh, somebody from Kahal Hashem, but the third generation, the grandchildren, they can marry someone into Kahal Hashem.
Okay. Lahem mehem. Mana lahem. Mana. The first lahem, it says, for them is to teach you that when we say three generations, the first generation is referring to the convert, him or herself. It's not the first generation following that, but it's the first generation is referring to the convert. And so therefore the third generation means the grandchildren. The grandchildren are now allowed to marry into Kalashem. It says lahem a second time to tell you holech acher psulon. That this is a very important point that holech acher psulon, that when we have uh, a mother and a father, uh, then we go after the psul with regards to understanding the status of the children. We go based on the psul. Meaning, what does that mean? We go based on if you have a case, let's say, of an Egyptian who they they go against the Torah. An Egyptian marries uh, a woman who was born as a Yisrael, was born as part of part of the Jewish people, or vice versa. What is the status of the child? Do we view the child as a mitzri? Or as someone who is was born in Israel as part of the Kal Hashem, we say psulam. In either direction, we say that they go after the psul over those that are disqualified, and so therefore the child is viewed as a mitzri, as part of the nation of the Egyptians, whether or not the father is an Egyptian or the mother is an, is, is an Egyptian. But the point is that we only follow this in a case where there is a psul, where there is some form some form of a disqualification. Uh, so it's not based on the father or the mother. Interestingly, it's based on either or. It really depends on if there is a psul, if there's somebody who's disqualified. And that's really based off of a Mishnah in Kiddushin. We find this in the Tractate of Kiddushin, such an idea. We know that when it comes to who's a Jew, that goes based on the mother. When it comes to who, which, which tribe you belong to, that goes based on the father. And now we have, how do we know if there's some sort of... Uh, Psul, if there's some sort of disqualification, that it goes based on either or. So that's from this verse. This verse, at least with regards to uh, a mitzri, we'll see also for a mamzer. The same thing is true with regards to a mamzer. If either the father or the mother is a mamzer, so then the child will also be a mamzer. It doesn't go based on the father or the mother, but it goes based on uh, if there's a, anybody who, if any parent is has a disqualification, so then the child becomes uh, disqualified as well, becomes a mamzer or has the status of a Mitzri, of an Egyptian. And that is learned from this verse. The Gemara continues, It has to say Lahem for them, and it also has to say which they give birth to. Why? It says Lahem the first time for them, for the same reason that we had earlier. To tell you that we start the count of three generations with the convert him or herself. So that the third generation is the grandchildren. That's something that we already pointed out. Why do we have Asher Yavaldu? Because of Rechman Alehem, Havmina. Interesting. Mitzris Muberes Sheniskaira Hi Ubena Chad. I would have thought, if I didn't have the word Yavaldu, I would have thought as follows. What happens in the following scenario? You have an Egyptian woman who is pregnant and she converts during her pregnancy. So then I might have thought. That when she converts, that she and her child are viewed as one generation. They're viewed as one generation. So that it's the woman's great-grandchildren who then become permissible. The grandchildren of the fetus. Who become permissible to enter into Kahal Hashem. That's what I would have thought. That's why we have the verse that will tell you which they give birth to. That even if she's pregnant and she converts, but in the end of the day she converts. She gives birth, sorry. 
Once she gives birth, that's the next generation. Once you give birth, that automatically becomes the next generation. So if an Egyptian woman is pregnant and she converts during pregnancy, so then the child, the fetus who becomes a child, that child becomes the second generation. And then when that child has a child, so then the grandchildren of the original pregnant woman, they become the third generation, which is permissible to marry into Kahal Hashem. Now, finally, the Gemara says, We have both Lahem and Lo. In one verse, with regards to the Mitzri, we say that if one of the parents was a Mitzri and the other one was a Yisrael, who came from, was born as a Yisrael, we say we go after the Psul, the, the one who's disqualified. It's not based on the father or the mother, but the child becomes an Egyptian regardless. Similarly, we have an extra word in the verse by a Mamzer, by somebody who's the child of one parent is a Mamzer. The other parent is not a Mamzer in either direction, whether the father's a Mamzer and the mother isn't, or the mother is a Mamzer and the father is not. In either direction, we will say that the child is a Mamzer because we don't go based on the father or the mother, but we go based on the disqualification. As long as somebody is disqualified, then the child also becomes a mamzer. Why do we need two verses? I would have thought that if it only mentioned it by here, meaning by the Mitzri, I would have thought that it's only in this case that we go based on the person who's disqualified because the Mitzri, the Egyptian, has a certain weakness, a disqualifying element in the fact that he wasn't born Jewish, that he wasn't born Jewish and that uh, he comes from himself from parents who are not Jewish. But the Mamzer, the Mamzer comes from Tipek Shira, it comes from uh, the, the the Mamzer comes from a Yisrael, from a Jew. And so then maybe we wouldn't say that they should go based on either parent, who whichever one is disqualified, whichever one is a Mamzer. That's what you would have said in that direction. Because of Rechon Agabi Mamzer, and if all we had was the, the case of the mamzer, so then in that case, I would have said, you know what? By the mamzer, we go based on, on the parent who's disqualified, not based on the father or the mother, but just if anybody's disqualified, the child then becomes a mamzer because mamzer has more of a disqualifying element in the sense that the mamzer for all future generations, their children are mamzerim as well. It doesn't end after three generations as opposed to by the mitzri, it ends after three, does in fact end after three generations. And so therefore, because of the two combined, we have this general rule that even though sometimes we go based on the father, sometimes we go based on the mother, but if one of the parents has a certain psul, has a certain disqualifying element, so then the child will automatically have that. Now, it's interesting to note that there's a big question, does this also extend it to other psulm as well, where it's not to the entire Jewish people, but let's say it's to a Kohen. What happens if one parent is not allowed to marry a Kohen, the other parent could marry a Kohen? Do we say the same thing, that we go based on the psul? Does the child automatically become disqualified? Or do we say that, no, it goes based on either the father, let's say the father, um, at, at which one which one do we do? So that, that is a discussion. So if this might be limited, it's not clear, but it might be limited only to cases where the psul is to prevent is, is to not it's only a psul a disqualifying somebody who is not allowed to enter into marry into the kalashem into marrying into uh, most Jews not for Kohanim but for most Jews um so that that itself is a 
discussion as well. Okay, let's go on in the Gemara. The Gemara says as follows. This is a new statement by Rabbi Yochanan. This is also trying to figure out who do we follow, the father, the mother, uh, the psul. What happens if you have as follows? If you have a second generation Egyptian, male, marry a first generation Egyptian woman. So what do you do? What's the child? Is the child viewed as third generation and then could enter into Kalashem? Or is the child viewed as second generation and cannot enter into Kalashem? So Rabbi Yochanan says, the child is viewed as third generation. Why? Meaning he's now permissible to enter into Galashem because we go based on the father. That we go based on the father. And this follows the general principle that in general, besides for cases where it's about whether or not the person is Jewish or not, but when it comes to other cases uh, where there's no disqualifying element, so then uh, we go based on the father. So, so to over here, we will go based on the father. Uh, and the reason why we don't go based on the disqualifying element here is because there's no prohibition here. The Egyptian is marrying another Egyptian. Second generation to first generation. There's, there's nothing There's nothing wrong here with that marriage. So there's no disqualifying element uh, within that marriage. And so therefore the child will go based on the father. The father is second generation. The child now is third generation and is allowed to marry into Kahal Hashem. And so Rabbi Yochanan says that we go based on the father. We'll see that there's a different version of Rabbi Yochanan a little bit later, that says that we go based on the mother. But according to this version, it goes based on the father. A few questions within this version. Masiv Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef asks, Rabbi Tarfan Omer, Yecholin Mamzerim Litaher. Rabbi Tarfan says that there, you could come up with a scenario where a mamzer it creates a situation where the child is no longer a mamzer. Even though we say that a mamzer for all future generations, it's a the law is that the child, and for all the de- future descendants, they're all mamzerim uh, from the from the original parent. But Rabbi Tarfan says, "I have a way of getting out of it. How do you get out of it?" Ketzad, mamzer nasa shivcha havlad evet shachru nimsa ben chorin amabasar dida shadinalei. You could have a case where a mamzer, let's say, marries a non-Jewish slave, a non-Jewish slave who belongs to a Jewish owner. Uh, so, in general, we say that a Jew is not allowed to marry a non-Jewish slave. However, let's say this mamzer becomes a slave himself. In Ebed Ivri, a Jewish slave is in fact allowed to marry a non-Jewish slave. We've, we discussed in the past the status of a non-Jewish slave. Also, in terms of treatment and everything, it's not similar to the slaves that we think of. Um, but independent of that, the, the law is that a Jewish slave, if a slave is Jewish... He is allowed to marry a non-Jewish slave, and the non-Jewish slave also is in the middle of a process of geras, of conversion, as, which is something that we discussed in the past, that they sort of go through a, a partial conversion right away, right when they become a slave, and then a complete conversion once they become free. Uh, so this mamzer, let's say he becomes a Jewish slave, and then he marries a non-Jewish slave, and they have children. So the law is that we assume that the children go after the mother, not after the father. The children are not mamzerim. But in fact, they are viewed as also non-Jewish slaves. Once they become free, they become fully Jewish. They become fully Jewish, but they don't have the status of a mamzer. So we've solved the problem, says Rabbi Tarfon. The problem is that the children are going to become mamzerim. No, we solved the problem. Let two slaves, the Jewish slave who's a mamzer, marry a non-Jewish slave. 
uh, and then uh, the child will not be a mamzer. So this is a strong question, because we see from here that we go based on the mother. We see from here that we go based on the mother. So this is a question on Rabbi Yochanan. Because according to Rabbi Yochanan, we go based on the father. Uh, we would go based on the father. And over here, by the mamzer, the mamzer is allowed, it's permissible for him to marry as a Jewish slave. He's allowed to marry the non-Jewish slave. And yet we go based on the mother. We assume that the children are now non-Jewish slaves as well. When they become free, they become fully Jewish, but they're not mamzerim. They do not become. They do not have the status of a mamzer. They are now allowed to marry whoever they want. So we go based on the mother. So that seems to contradict the statement of Rabbi Yochanan. So over there, that's an exception. The Gemara answers, no, it's an exception. Shani Hasan. The verse tells us to Amar Kra, Haisha Tia The verse says that when it comes to a non-Jewish slave, the children go based on the mother, which actually fits with the general approach that when it comes to figuring out the status as to whether or not they're Jewish or not Jewish, forget about a slave, but a non-Jew, we, so we, we say we go based on the mother. If the mother is Jewish, the child's Jewish. If the mother's not Jewish, the child is not Jewish. And so similarly over here, we're dealing with a non-Jewish slave, so it's slightly different because they had uh, some part, some, some part, the beginning of the process of the conversion process, but yet they're still not Jewish. They're not completely Jewish yet. And so therefore, the child will also go based on the mother. So that fits with the general approach that we have, that uh, the child goes based on the mother with regards to uh, the whether or not the child is Jewish. There's another question that we have on this position of Rabbi Yochanan. Mesiv Rava. Rava asks, we have the following statement. We've had this uh, following story. We had this, in fact, earlier, a few weeks ago. Am Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda said, I had a friend who was Minyamin and he was a he was from Egypt and he was a convert and he was one of the students of Rabbi Kiva. And he said, I am a first generation Egyptian who converted. I married a first generation Egyptian woman who also converted. I will make sure Ben Bene Roy Lava Bakal. I will make sure that my son, who is a second generation Egyptian convert, will marry a second generation Egyptian woman so that my grandchildren can enter into the Kaal. And if it's true, according to Yochanan, that we don't go based on uh, the mother, we go based on the father, who cares who the father marries? The, the, his son is a second generation Egyptian. Let him marry a first-generation Egyptian wife. It wouldn't make a difference because the grandchild will go based on the father. The father is a second generation, so it shouldn't make a difference who he marries. He can even marry a first generation, but the, the child will be a third generation because since the, the, the child of this Egyptian is now the father of the third generation, the, the one in between, he's second generation, and it should all go based on the father, according to Rabbi Yochanan. This seems to imply that we go based on the mother. The Gemara says, no. Ha'amar le'erbi Yochanan letana tani rishona. That we say, no, that he changes it and he says, uh, we really change it to rishona, that it's true. Since the child is a second generation Egyptian, so then he was basically saying that my child, as long as he marries any Egyptian, he can marry a first generation Egyptian also, it's fine. My grandchild 
will be a third generation Egyptian because we go based on the fathers. Rabbi Yochanan uh, says that we really have to change the bride said to be that it's really uh, the child goes based on the status of the father. And the father's first generation or second generation. So then the grandchild will be third uh, generation. So we do really go based on the father. Uh, in the next recording, we'll see that there's a different version of Rabbi Yochanan where Rabbi Yochanan says that we don't go based on the father, but in fact we go based on the mother. And we'll see a very, very interesting uh, Gemara, a very interesting discussion. What exactly is this based upon? And uh, it'll get into also a woman who is pregnant who converts different issues with regards to that as well.